Welcome back to Sports Crush with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, week one of the 2017 NFL season is officially in the books, and many fantasy owners came away disappointed, myself included, as I dropped the matchups in two of my three leagues. However, there's no need to frown because not only is there a ton of football yet to be played, we here at Sports Crunch are here all season long to help you win a fantasy league championship. And tonight, we begin our Sports Crunch Fantasy Breakdown Series, a weekly installment to help you dominate your matchups in week two and beyond. And to provide us all with such world-class fantasy advice today, it is a pleasure to welcome Jody Smith to the show for the very first time. Jody is the senior writer for the fantasy football website GridironExperts.com, and he was also the most accurate fantasy expert in 2012. It's great to have you here, Jody. How you doing? Uh, we're doing okay, David. Thanks for uh, being patient with me. I know we've been trying to do this podcast for several weeks, and uh, I had some uh, you know, outside of off the field type of uh, incidents happening, including the hurricane and a whole thing of uh, having to rebuild a home and all that. But uh, I'm glad all that nastiness is, is behind us. I'm ready to move forward and uh, talk some fantasy football. It's great to have you on, Jody, as well, and that is perfectly understandable why you uh, were unable to come on earlier, and let me add that my prayers are with you and everybody down there in Houston as you begin the road to recovery from Hurricane Harvey. Well, I don't want to make it out, you know, to uh, make it sound too sorry for myself. We here at my house, my wife and my son and myself were perfectly fine. Uh, It was just that my late mother-in-law, she passed away in June, and her house was, uh, the only word I can think of is to say is devastated. She had more than three feet of water in the house, so I had to spend the better part of, uh, you know, 10 days in there tearing it apart, tearing all the drywall out, all the wood floors, all the carpet, all that stuff had to come out, and I learned a lot about reconstruction, so I guess uh, hopefully that'll never happen again, but if it does, at least, you know, in the future, I'll know what to do and uh, be a little better prepared uh, in case we ever have to go through another storm like that. Uh, We are relieved that you and your family escaped the worst of that storm, and I'm sure everybody else is as well, and uh, now let's talk some fantasy, though. Um, There are three quarterbacks that people are going to consider sprinting to the waiver wire to claim, and which one of those quarterbacks should such teams in need of a quarterback do so? And Should they um, sprint for Alex Smith, Sam Bradford, or Jared Goff? Which one of those should they consider the most? Well, when you look at it, I don't want people to overreact to Alex Smith. I understand what they did was was quite remarkable, but but when you look at his body of work over his career – uh, when you have someone that has very occasional 300-yard passing games and four-touchdown performance, this is definitely most likely going to be the best game that he ever puts up as a Kansas City Chief. So, I mean, overall, the matchup for the Chiefs is it's okay with uh, Philadelphia, but again, it, he's not someone that I'm really, really, really sprinting to overpay for. Uh, Sam Bradford, uh, very, very interesting. Kind of the same thing where... Bradford has been, you know, a very accurate quarterback, and he's just not someone who's who's been someone, uh, you know, a difference maker at least for fantasy uh, purposes. And then all of a sudden, you know, this matchup just falls into his lap with that horrible New Orleans Saints defense last night, and and he has probably the best game he's going to put up all year. I guess overall, if you're looking at these kind of quarterbacks that are generally ranked in in the twenty to twenty two range on a week to week basis, you're probably streaming your quarterback. So at that point, if you're just going to do a week to week thing, you want to look at 
I guess what you what you want to look at is what the best matchup for that particular week is. And in this case, Bradford traveling to Pittsburgh, that's a pretty tough matchup for, for the Vikings and general Steelers defense. Uh, I, I know you didn't necessarily see it against Cleveland this week, but they're, they're pretty stout defense. So uh, given a choice between those two, I, I would probably lean towards Alex Smith, but I don't know that I would be aggressively overbidding for him or, and I would certainly temper my expectations because if you could even get half of what he did in week one uh, as a streaming option in week two, that actually would probably be a pretty favorable result for you. What about Jared Goff? Would you uh, buy Jared Goff? Uh, you know, again, uh, the, the case with, with Goff, it, you know, he looked great when you compare what he did in his body of work during a rookie season. So uh, overall, yes, the matchup actually may be better for the Rams. I just want people to understand that you're not going to see him, you know, exceeding 300 yards all that often. Uh, the thing with Jared Goff, though, is there is the the unknown factor there where I think we kind of know what, what to expect out of Alex Smith and Sam Bradford for the most part. But Goff, if he can continue to show improvements, if the offense that he's now on actually turns out to be a really good fit for what he does best, then, you know, he he's someone that you could actually consider keeping on a roster moving forward. I guess in, in this week, with them hosting Washington this week, that's actually a you know pretty favorable matchup. So uh, you can probably get a, a golf cheaper than you would get Alex Smith simply because people are going to re- overreact to uh, what what all of us saw, saw on that game number one. So, uh, you know, I, I probably would focus on golf uh, probably as the best value of those three for this week. Thank you very much, Jody. And now let's move on to the uh, edition of this program that we call Buy or Sell, at which I will name a player that um, is available in many waiver wires, and uh, you tell us whether we should buy or sell at his long-term potential, starting with the guy who took the NFL by storm in the Bears-Falcons game, Tariq Cohen. You buy or sell? I would probably buy him. He's going to be expensive. Uh, You know, there's actually a few leagues out there where – uh, you can expect that he's going to uh, occupy maybe half of the of the waiver wire budget, maybe even more than that, as people are going to kind of overreact to it. But the guy, I mean, what can you do? He played something like 28 snaps and got 13 touches on it and put up well over 100 yards, got into the end zone, and then you look at that 46-yard run where he cut back. Uh, he looked looked really, really good. Undersized guy, very small. That's why he fell so far in the draft and ended up here on the Bears. But Look at what Jordan Howard, what happened to Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's not the best pass catcher. He's not horrible, but he actually dropped the what would have been a game-winning touchdown for the Bears in that game. So it's entirely possible that we could see Jordan Howard start to lose, consistently lose uh, more more looks to Cohen moving forward. So he's definitely someone I'd be really, really interested in. I just want to give people caution. This is going to be a crazy waiver wire week because so much has happened from an injury standpoint in the first week with so many people that were being dependent on to be starters all season going out. They're done for the year. So people are going to have, they're going to be scrambling and then there's going to be the, you know, they're going to have your opponents in there trying to block you from getting guys. So uh, it's just an issue. I don't want people to go too crazy on their budget, but in my opinion, in my opinion, Cohen actually has the potential to be somebody that, that is interesting in PPR leagues uh, for the next 15 weeks. So he's definitely someone uh, I'm pretty interested in. 
And with the Bears' decimated wide receiver core, I absolutely agree. Tariq Cohen is better than most, if not all, the options the Bears currently have at wide receiver with Cameron Meredith and Kevin White on the shelf for the remainder of the season. And do you buy or sell Cooper Cup? Uh, another guy I buy, uh, I loved him in Dynasty Leagues this offseason. I actually have him in, in a lot of my leagues, so he's not someone that I have to actually worry about picking up too much. I, I said on the Fantasy Pros uh, podcast, which came out uh, here on uh, Tuesday, um, I thought that the combination of Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup is probably the best duo of wide receivers the Rams have had and I don't know, the entire Jeff Fisher era. You know, you're talking 10, 15 years. This team could not figure out what to do with wide receivers. They kept drafting them, and they kept being terrible at it. But it just seems like really, really quickly here, I understand that Sammy Watkins is on a one-year deal, but he he looked really, really good. You, you see that he only had five catches, but he did catch all five of his targets. And I thought uh, that Watkins looked uh, healthy, and he looked really, really sharp. I, I, I kind of like what they're going to be doing moving forward. Cooper Cup, again, nice touchdown grab that he had. Uh, he is more of a, a PPR guy, but I, I think I don't want to pigeonhole him into a slot role because I think he's actually quite capable of, of uh, being someone that can actually line up uh, anywhere in the field. So uh, he's someone that I'm really, really interested in, especially in uh, PPR leagues. Do you buy or sell Nelson Aguilar? Uh, sell. I don't like Nelson Aguilar. People are going to overreact. They see the two touchdowns and they're going to think, okay, this is it. But uh, overall, he, he's he been uh, uh, just actually absolutely terrible uh, his first couple of years in the league. I understand that they, 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 they saw enough in him in camp that they went ahead and decided to move Jordan Matthews. So I think they, their expectations are that Nelson Aguilar is going to play in, in the slot. But what you saw in the first week was he's actually splitting time outside with Torrey Smith as well, which is kind of uh, an interesting development. But Zach Ertz is going to continue to be the main guy uh, on them short and intermediate routes for the, for the Eagles. And Nelson Aguilar's body of work, uh, this reeks of a, a great sell high possibility because I don't see him as being the kind of guy that can consistently do anything. As you look at his first two two seasons, it's just he he's just been. It looks like a miss, in my opinion. So if I could recoup some decent value from people overreacting to to what he did in week one, I certainly would do that. So let's sell him. And last but not least, do you buy or sell Kenny Galladay? Kenny Galladay, another guy that that I was on board with in, in Dynasty Leagues. But I want to preach, when you see the two touchdown games, you're going to see inconsistency, inconsistencies out of Galladay. He had a couple of uh, ugly drops in that game, and, that, and that's what you're going to see from him. And uh, keep in mind with the, the coverage uh, this week that Marvin Jones had, he was blanketed all game. So uh, Kenny Galladay kind of capitalized on that. So uh, moving forward, I think you're going to see Marvin Jones kind of step up and take a a larger share of the targets that Galladay got this week moving forward. So while Galladay is, he's got that size. He obviously scored from 10 yards out. In addition to that 45 yarder, uh, he's going to be someone that can and will be a potential red zone threat. But I don't know that he's someone that, you know, I don't want people to get too crazy on him. I would buy him uh, on the waiver wire, but, you know, you're, it's just going to get a little expensive this week. Again, people are going to overreact. They're going to see those two touchdowns. They're going to look at all the injuries that, that happened out there. So I would cautiously be very interested in acquiring Galladay, but I want people to understand that, you know, you're not going to see him catching 
60 and 70 yards and, and two touchdowns every week. There's going to be some inconsistency with him. There's going to be a few games where he ends up being a dud. So uh, rather than aggressively bidding on him as someone that you're going to put in your, your roster every week, if you can get him reasonable value as someone that's just a flex play on weeks when Detroit's playing a favorable matchup, then I, I, I definitely would favor that more. And that concludes our buy or sell portion of the program. And now we move on to our overreaction or not an overreaction part of our program. And obviously, people are in the overreaction business, especially after week one. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to read four sentences to you, and you briefly describe to me whether they're an overreaction or not an overreaction. And uh, starting with this Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, and Kareem Hunt will be in the top 10 in fantasy points among running backs at the end of this season. I won't say that's an overreaction. When you look at at the way things played out uh, this week, all three of those guys are going to be three-down workhorses for teams that actually have pretty good offenses. Leonard Fournette, obviously the Jags are just going to feature him moving forward. The smartest thing they could do is finally start cashing in some of that defensive talent that they've been acquiring for years over there. And the smartest thing they can do offensively is keep Blake Bortles from making dumb mistakes. And the best way to do that is to just continue to feed the ball to Fournette. Uh, very impressed. I was actually at the Houston game to, to see him continually making a difference. He looked smooth as a pass catcher. One of the knocks on him was that he never caught the ball while he was at college. But sometimes you have to understand just because a guy doesn't do things doesn't mean he can't do things. Obviously, with the Chiefs, uh, very, 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 very excited about Kareem Hunt. I mean, he just took the world by storm. And one of the things someone asked me was, do they think Spencer Ware could have made the same impact had he been the one that was healthy and had Kareem Hunt been out for the first week? And I don't think so. I think Kareem Hunt... Getting over that first career touch ended up being a fumble. After that, he was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, moving forward, I, gosh, you know, I don't see any reason why he's not going to be uh, an RB1 to finish the season. If he stays healthy, uh, Andy Reid generally prefers not to work with rotations. He likes to have featured guys. So uh, moving forward, uh, I don't see any way how he doesn't finish out. And, and Dalvin Cook, again, another guy, three-down workhorse. Took the, the big lion's share of carries for Minnesota last week. I think he had 22 carries last night, and uh, Jarek McKinnon might have had four or five, and uh, Latavius Murray's not going to be a factor. He had one carry, fumbled it, and then he got one more carry later in the game. I think Latavius Murray ended up with only two touches, so it looks like that was going to be a big uh, free agency mistake for the Vikings. And uh, of all those guys coming out, I actually liked Cook the best. I think this is an interesting dynamic battle on you know, Twitter fantasy where you have uh, – the metrics crowd that sees the low spark scores for Dalvin Cook and immediately dismissed him as saying he was going to be a bust. And then there's people on my side of the table, which are film people that actually watch games and see a dynamic player like Dalvin Cook, how special he was at college. And I thought he was going to be uh, pretty good, was pretty surprised that he made it into the second round. But overall, I like all three of those guys, if for no other reason than they're on decent offenses and they have a clear path to three-down roll every week. Always trust the film people, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot stress that enough. Always trust the film people over the numbers people. And all right, for the second overreaction, not overreaction, Alvin Kamara will be the Saints running back to own during the second half of the season. 
Uh, that's probably an overreaction. I think if there's a situation that comes up where they decide to move on from Adrian Peterson or things don't work out, that I think Mark Ingram has proven year after year that he's more than capable of being a, a featured back for the Saints. Uh, he's a, very good as a runner, very good as a pass receiver. So I think Alvin Kamara is interesting. But uh, you know, if I had to target a New Orleans running back, it would definitely be Ingram. Very good point there, Jody. And now for the third overreaction, not overreaction, Matthew Stafford will be the highest scoring fantasy quarterback in 2017. Uh, that's an overreaction. Uh, you know, this is again, uh, he did do, uh, you know, a great job, especially in the second half against the very talented Arizona Cardinals defense. But overall, I thought the Detroit Lions offense was due to take a step back. I don't see them as being real uh, playoff contenders and, I just, I just think that there's too many proven quarterbacks, guys that are a little bit more consistent and guys that actually have a little bit more upside that I would rather focus on than Matt Stafford. I think Stafford is fine as a rotational guy, maybe a you know, bottom-tiered QB1, but he's definitely not someone that I think is capable of getting into the top five. And last but not least, Stephon Diggs will be in the top 10 among wide receivers in fantasy points in 2017. Overreaction or not an overreaction? I could I could see that playing out. I'm going to say overreaction because I just don't know that that Minnesota is going to consistently be able to produce the kind of volume and give Diggs the kind of role where he's going to be featured. Not, you know, yesterday, notwithstanding, um, I, I just think that Minnesota is going to remain kind of a, a, you know, a slower ground based type offense that's going to feature their tight end much more frequently than Diggs. Uh, I do like Diggs overall. He's probably got a little bit more value in PPR. I, I just don't see him as being someone that's going to get the kind of volume that's going to produce uh, top 10 numbers. Thank you very much, Jody. And now we're moving on to my favorite portion of this weekly fantasy installment. Uh, and it's the set my lineup portion. And if you want your fantasy team to be featured in this segment of the program next week, please tweet your fantasy roster to me on Twitter at SportsCrunch. And as always, that is Crunch with a K. And I have one of my leagues up in front of me here, uh, uh, Jody. And I got Drew Brees locked in at quarterback, Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt locked in at, at running back. But when you get to receivers and tight ends, uh, you uh, – it, it gets a little muddy. I have Odell Beckham, but let's assume for the moment that he doesn't play week two, that they give him another week off to get that ankle up to 100%. And I got Doug Baldwin, obviously one spot. I'm playing him because he's against San Francisco, but, and I got Delaney Walker at tight end, but I also have Cameron Braid available because, and Braid has a better matchup arguably. And I got Chris Hogan, Jamison Crowder, Pierre Garçon, and Tevin Coleman available as well. So we got my quarterback, my two running backs, and Baldwin locked in at wide receiver. Who would you start at the other wide receiver spot, and who would you start at the flex? Normal I'd be interested in Garcon, but this is a terrible matchup for them. This is going to be an angry Seattle team, so I don't have any, any interest in Garcon this week. I, you know, he's got he he might get you four or five receptions, but you know, Garcon's just not a touchdown guy, and I don't see him making a huge impact against the Seahawks. I'd be interested in flexing uh, Tevin Cam uh, Tevin Coleman this week uh, as the 
Falcons kick off their uh, brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium with the roof open against the Packers. That that game's got shootout potential written all, all over it. And last week in the opener, again, you actually saw an, an almost even split of time between Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And this week it was kind of interesting because Coleman actually played a larger role, receiving more targets in the passing game. And, and I, I understand that Freeman got into the end zone, but this is the kind of week where I actually expect Atlanta to kind of take the impression of what they had last year and to use both of their backs pretty liberally. And, and fan, again, fantastic matchup with the Packers. So I, I'd try to get Coleman in my lineup if I could. Um, or would you start Jaquise Rogers ahead of Tevin Coleman? Well, we have nothing to base that on. I do like Jacquez Rogers uh, overall, uh, but and the matchup actually looks pretty favorable. But we're not sure how that how that situation is going to lay out because we did, unfortunately we didn't get to see the Bucks play this week. Um, I could I could see that working out just fine. I actually have no problem with it. I'll take the upside of Tevin Coleman over the you know maybe the safer route to fifteen plus touches for for for. Um, Jacquez Rogers, but again, I, I would like to uh, have seen Tampa play first before I, I, you know, get too hot to trot to uh, get him into my lineup. And who should I start at the second wide receiver spot, assuming Odell Beckham Jr. does not play next Monday night against the Lions? Should I start Chris Hogan, Jamison Crowder, or Pierre Garcon at the second wide receiver spot? Well, we hit on Garcon. I, I'm going to go with Crowder there. I think he's your your safest option there. Let me tell you this about what New England did. Uh, we all expected Chris Hogan to have a much larger role this week, and it ended up being Danny Amendola who came out of nowhere and, and got the six receptions and the 100 yards. That could very easily turn into Chris Hogan this week. So I say very, very cautiously to sit Hogan. It's a great matchup. For the Patriots, traveling to New Orleans, we saw what the Vikings were able to do to this Saints secondary. So I have a lot of interest in Hogan with this caveat. Chris Hogan is in the concussion protocol as, as we record this. Oh, so Amendola is. Oh, yeah, I'd say Hogan. I mean, Amendola is in the concussion protocol as we record this. So that means that uh, if he manages to not get cleared in this game, if he's not ready to play, Chris Hogan definitely would become my first option there because then he definitely uh, is in line to take on that kind of Julian Edelman role, and that would put him uh, as a nice candidate to get you 9 to 12 targets this week. Thank you, Jody. And now we move on to the conclusion of our program, and it's our Starts and Sits segment. And uh, it, this segment, I name we go through all the positions, and you name me uh, the player you would start and the player you would absolutely sit this week, and who would your biggest start and sit be at quarterback? You know what? I'm going to go off the wall here a little bit. I'm actually interested in Deshaun Kaiser. I understand what the Ravens did with and shut out Cincinnati uh, on the opener, but I, I love Deshaun Kaiser. I love what he can do with his feet. And I and that that Baltimore secondary very very vulnerable over the last couple of years. So I'm not going to necessarily buy into. The, that one game. So uh, Deshaun Kaiser is someone, if you're on the waiver wire looking for a fill in quarterback, someone I'd be pretty interested in for this week. What about the sit at quarterback? I think, uh, you know what? I'm going to look at, again. I, I think it's a decent chance for uh, Andy Dalton to bounce back a short week. I understand the Texans defense really, really good, but uh, I don't like what I saw out of the whole team in general uh, on Sunday short week. Uh, the Bengals generally play a lot better at home. 
And uh, I think the, the Texans offense is going to struggle to consistently get drives together in this game. And that's going to allow uh, Andy Dalton to actually have a, a pretty solid uh, home home game here. So, again, another guy that everyone's going to be looking to sit that I might actually be interested in starting. Uh, but who would you sit at quarterback this week? Oh, uh, for sit. I gave you two starts instead of a sit. <laughs> How about... How about not overreacting to what Alex Smith did in the opener and to actually set him uh, at, at home? Never pay what's what you get a quarterback that, that generally is going to get you about 220 passing yards and maybe one and a half touchdowns again. All of a sudden, he doubled that output. I expect those numbers to come back. So while everyone's going to be so excited to start Smith this week, I, I think uh, I actually would would be more liable to actually sit him. You're starting to sit at running back. Well, I'm going to be interested in getting Jay Ajayi in my lineup. I missed out on him in the opening week, and we saw the Chargers. They're still going to be a little vulnerable to the run. Gave up over 120 yards to the Broncos on Monday Night Football. It looks like the same uh, struggling Chargers defense to me once you can get out of that talented defensive line. So uh, definitely would be uh, – thinking that I have my, my early projections actually have Jay Ajayi as someone who's going to be uh, probably near my top five for uh, projections for the week. And your sit at running back. Well, I don't want nothing to do with the Saints running backs. I, I know that the Patriots look terrible uh, in the opener and, and uh, Kareem Hunt ran all over them. But until that situation plays out where it makes a little bit more sense, I just don't have any interest in Adrian Peterson, who – Unfortunately, I was really high on this week, so that's going to end up costing me. I, I thought that the uh, revenge game was, was going to work out well, but it just looks like a clear situation. Even in a game where the over-under is probably going to be over 50 points, it looks like something to avoid until one of these guys can uh, step up and uh, you know be a consistent weekly starter. Totally agree. And your start and sit at wide receiver. Well, I'm going to go uh, with the chalk here. And obviously, you're starting Julio Jones every week, but this is going to be a phenomenal game for Julio Jones. The Green Bay secondary is absolutely atrocious, and this is such a, uh, a mismatch. Uh, obviously, I'm going to actually end up having Julio Jones probably as my wide receiver one, even ahead of Antonio Brown, as great as he is, because the matchup to me dictates that you've got to get Julio Jones I know everyone's probably starting him anyway, but I'm just looking for this is the kind of game to me where Julio Jones can actually uh, easily eclipse 150 yards, maybe even get you a pair of touchdowns. So uh, just someone that, that that turns out very high in my numbers. And your sit for wide receiver. Well, we talked a little bit earlier about it. Uh, Pierre Garcon, a terrible matchup for San Francisco in general. Uh, I don't like what I saw at all at a Brian Hoyer opener, but you're going to have an angry Seattle Seahawks defense returning home. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the 49ers manage to uh, the same three points they had this week, maybe even zero. So as much as Garcon is a, a decent little consistent PPR guy, I have no interest in starting him this week. You're starting to sit at tight end. I'm going to keep the love going for Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, great, uh, caught all of his targets in this game. And uh, the Chiefs, they they did a good job shutting down Rob Gronkowski in week one. But I don't think it's something they're going to be able to consistently do. They just lost Eric Berry, and that's going to be uh, a big detriment to 
uh, their pass defense. And I think Zach Ertz is going to remain the uh, the one A in Philadelphia. So uh, if I was fortunate enough to kind of hold off on my tight ends, uh, he's definitely someone that I would uh, get in my starting lineup this week. And your sit at tight end. Let's not re- over, overreact to Jesse James and the two touchdowns and the eight targets that he got in week one. Uh, the Steelers want to move on to Vance McDonald. They traded for him. They anticipate him being that kind of downfield threat that they didn't get last year out of Ladarius Green. So uh, in the short tunneled vision people often have when it comes to fantasy football, they're going to be expecting another big week from Jesse James. And uh, against the Vikings, I just don't see it happening. Your starting sit for defense. Well, uh, the Rams uh, came out of nowhere for a lot of people. I was on them for the for the opener, but uh, now that they're returning home, uh, they're not going to have another game where they're running back a couple of interceptions. And uh, I think Kirk Cousins has the kind of skill set that's going to be problematic for the Rams, who a general theory is that you beat a Wade Phillips defense by attacking with a tight end. And fortunately for the Redskins, they have one of the best tight ends in football and Jordan Reed when he's healthy. So I actually see this being a game where Washington's probably going to end up winning. And I think they can put up a pretty healthy number of points. So even coming off that huge performance, uh, I'm probably going to think about sitting the Rams this week. And uh, what about your start for defense? I don't think he gave us a start. I'm going to start the Panthers this week. Love what I saw from them on the West Coast this week. And uh, they're facing a, a Bills offense that, uh, although they got, they got the victory in the opener, I don't think the Bills offense overall is actually a very good one. I see a, a pretty excited, pumped-up Carolina defense being able to shut down Tyrod Ty, Ty Taylor uh, pretty handily this week. So uh, Panthers, again, someone who might even be on their waiver wire that uh, I'm definitely interested in this week. And last but not least, your start and sit for kicker. Uh Come on, man. It's kickers. <laughs> <laughs> kickers are people, too. Okay. Uh, well, uh, we hit on this game earlier. I'm not interested in in the uh, Texans kicker, uh, Fairbarn. Uh, he didn't even get a chance to get a field goal this week. I don't have a lot of confidence in Houston's offense at all. So uh, while the Bengals generally are, are pretty easily give up a lot of points to kickers in this kind of format until Houston's offense and offensive line can come around. You just don't want any part of the Texans outside of DeAndre Hopkins and maybe Lamar Miller. And who is your absolute start for kicker this week? Let's go with Matt Bryant at home with the Falcons. Again, I expect a a pretty healthy amount of points in this game. And uh, I understand the roof's going to be open, but this is basically an indoor stadium. And Matt Bryant has been one of the best kickers in football. So with points galore, I'm going to go with the uh, the home favorite in this game and, and select Bryant. Thank you very much, Jody, for joining our show and donating your time, insight, and analysis. Uh, He is Jody Smith, once again, of GridironExperts.com. He also covers the Houston Texans for USA Today's The Texans Wire. You can follow him on Twitter, at JodySmithNFL. Jody, thank you so much once again for joining us, and we hope to have you back on the program in the very near future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. You're very welcome, Jody. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. But we'll be back Friday with our Week 2 game-by-game preview with Hal Bent, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And once again, that is Crunch with a K. For Jody Smith, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome.